0: Today I'm talking with Jason of Madcap Cottage about him and his partner's love for storytelling, which was the inspiration behind their brand and designs. I was so excited to interview Jason as I'm a big fan of Madcap Cottage. Their fabrics are in our media room and bar area, and I own two of their rugs and book. I even was a total fangirl and made them sign my book at a high point market a few years back. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview as much as I did. All right, so let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do.
1: My name is Jason Oliver Nixon, and I'm one half of the High Point, North Carolina-based uh, design firm, Mad Madcap Cottage. We actually have our offices in Thomasville, um, but uh, we, we split our time between High Point and Thomasville. So we're an interior design and product development firm.
0: Amazing. And I had mentioned to you that I love your products. I have some of your rugs. I have a lot of your fabrics in my home. So this is like the perfect guest you are for me. Well, we're
1: (laughs) thrilled to be in your home. So thank you so much for having us. Of
0: course. (laughs) So now tell me a little bit about growing up. Like, were you always creating and like entrepreneurial um, or was this something that came later? Like, what was it like growing up for you?
1: I think John and I, my partner, John Lucky and I yeah. are both storytellers. Okay. I grew up in Florida. John grew up in Iowa. And I think our goal always, Patricia, was to... Engage audiences and and mm-hmm. tell people stories. And John and I both started in, in in magazines, but I think we grew up. We both grew up in environments where our families were always traveling. We were always going to museums. We were being toted off to. I went to Interlock in this music camp up mm-hmm. in Michigan that's quite well known. And I finally discovered theater. Eventually, after my parents thought I was going to be a piano prodigy, <laughs> and I learned how to speak Spanish in Minnesota. I went to these international language villages. So I think it was both John and I had these kind of you know very interesting parents who were maybe the first kids in their family to go to college but wanted Mm -hmm. to expose their kids to interesting things and collected art and you know Friday night activity at the Nixon household was definitely rearranging the furniture and I can remember the different periods in my family's design phase of we kind of had a Spanish moment, we had an Angelo Dongia moment, we had this kind of Uh, Memphis moment in our homes, we had a Mirameco moment. And so it wasn't like we were so trend driven, but there was Mm -hmm. always this kind of evolution of design. And if if you go to my parents' guest house now in Tampa, Florida, we call it early Lois. (laughs) because that's my mom's name. And that's kind of where all of the furniture went to die. So it's this amazing amalgam of 1970s and 1980s furniture. There's like a, you know, Dakota Jackson table next to a Mirameco sofa. I mean, it's kind of amazing and lots of antiques. My parents were always kind of buying amazing antiques and cooking and entertaining. And I think very much the same for John's family. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was very much this lifestyle of cooking, entertaining, great movies you know, and, 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 and my parents exposed me, for example, to you know, radicchio when I was six years old because they had traveled and seen it. And this was probably 20 years before America knew what you know, radicchio or arugula was.
0: Oh my gosh, that sounds like such a great upbringing. And it sounds like your parents, both of your parents have great style. So I can see where it comes from then. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. And they're both very, you know, my mom was in the first Peace Corps team. She was in, uh, she was a cheerleader at the University of Miami and, you know, was the, one of the very high ups at the University of South Florida College of Medicine. My dad's a bankruptcy attorney. So they both. they both, had very kind of interesting professional careers. Uh, and, and my mom was doing things many years before most women were kind of getting multiple master's degrees and PhDs and going into a, into a high powered, largely clinical driven, uh, you know, business in the medical field.
0: Yeah. So speaking of that then, um did you where and what did you end up studying then when it came time for college? Was it interior design um, or was it something completely different?
1: No, not at all. And I think it was my my goal coming out of college was always to go into magazines. I had okay. been somebody growing up and I I been very sad over the last couple of years, kind of to see the demise of the American magazine. John mm-hmm. and I are huge fans of many of the British magazines, World of Interiors, House and Garden UK, and they're just getting thicker and thicker. Uh, not that the American magazines aren't uh, as good, but they maybe aren't. Don't don't don't. I'm more attuned to some of the regional magazines like Southern Lady and some of those kind of flower some of the smaller magazines but no I I went to Colby in Maine my mom had gotten her master's degree uh, at Breadloaf at Middlebury um, after her undergraduate at University of Miami. And so we always were kind of going up to Vermont. So we had a really strong, my mom's from Boston. So we always had a very strong New England bent, even though I grew up in Florida. And I ended up going to Colby, which is in Waterville, Maine, and is a, you know, kind of a a well-known small liberal arts school. And I studied Spanish literature because I I was fluent in Spanish going into college and art history uh, in French, so no, no, no. But I, I did know I wanted to go into journalism, but I didn't think I needed to have a journalism degree. I had a sense of style in terms of I was always hosting brunches in my dorm room in college (laughs) and cooking in the kitchen and, you know, lighting candles. Um, But no, I didn't think that interior design was in our future, nor did I think for John. John studied graphic design. And he did study journalism and he ran the local, you know, the paper at University of Iowa State in in Ames, Iowa, where he went to school. But I think, no, both of us kind of, wanted to be storytellers and i think magazines was our magazines were our first goal and that's where we both we both interned in college at magazines and then eventually got careers in new york at magazines
0: okay so tell me a little bit about that that then like what your first career was what magazines like what you were doing there um talk to me about your first career
1: so I started as an intern at Colby. We had a Jan plan where you could go off the month of January and do a, an internship or study abroad. So I, I I was an intern at House and Garden magazine in New York um, oh, nice. under Nancy Novograd and it was a you know Carolyn Solis and really amazing. Wendy Goodman was there, lots of great people. And then when I got back to school, I just started sending them Polaroids. I mean, this is. You know, decades before social media and all those things, <laughs> I started sending them Polaroids of me sitting in snowbanks reading magazines from Condé Nast and said, help. And when I, left college i went up to new york and interviewed and they said oh you're the one who sent us all those really clever polaroids (laughs) so it stuck and i got a job at connie nest traveler i was an associate editor there basically in the research department um i was there for about four years Uh, then i went to random house as an editor and launched random launch voters.com which is the big travel website Uh, then i eventually as again as we were storytellers I went to um, television. I became a producer at E! and then an executive producer at the Food Network uh, and then moved on launched uh, Niche Media with Jason Binn, which was Gotham Hamptons, Capital wow. File, Philadelphia Style, all of those magazines and ran those. John was at House Beautiful. He was at Better Homes and Gardens. Um, he was the crafts editor at Parents for many years. So, you know, I think we were both in, in positions where we – creating content and telling other people's stories and I think we just reached a point where we said you know many years down the road and we still keep our hands in magazines because we are writers uh-huh. I, I do especially and John's an amazing stylist but that idea of why are we telling everyone else's stories and I think we were also talking to designers about their fabrics and saying oh you know how did you how did you draw this and they're like well oh, I didn't draw this i bought it or I purchased a floral at a show at Heimtex in Germany and we thought, oh gosh, you know, John actually can draw and sketch yeah. and paint. And we just reached a point. And sorry I'm being long-winded here, Patricia. No,
0: you're fine. I'm fascinated.
1: It, well, but I think it was that idea of we learned how to tell people stories, we learned how to PR market and engage communities through our backgrounds in television and and and, and strict journalism. And I think we've, that's, that's served us well. But I think the goal was always kind of to create our own, our own, our own story and what that would be. And, and it kind of turned out to be this Madcap Cottage, which was a brand that now has several different products. And it's not Jason and John brand. It is a standalone brand. You know, So that idea of, of how do you create a brand that has a stickiness that represents something. It's not just beige. It's not just white. It's not just pretty. But it has a real, to your point, you know, when you talk about the fabrics of the rugs, mm-hmm. it has a distinct, uh, point of view and it has a real spirit of hopefully, hopefully not just unpretentious pretentious, but a real spirit of fun yeah. and joy. And I think we all need absolutely, you know, need more, more fun and joy and happiness right about now.
0: Yep. A hundred percent. So there's like a few things that stood out to me from that journey. First of all, I love the Polaroids. Anyone listening that, um, you know, is in college or looking to change careers, I think that's great advice is to get creative, to get on people's radar. I know I found my first job in PR through Twitter um, and a good friend of mine who worked for Lily Pulitzer Corporate, like she got creative and took pictures in Lily Pulitzer at like Paris Fashion Week when she had another internship. So I think that's a great message is like get creative and absolutely. that's absolutely. how you get on people's radar. That's how they remember you is if you right. do something fun and different that not everyone else is doing. Um, and then I so let me back up a little. How did you and John initially meet, though?
1: We met in, you know, in your late 20s, I'm I'm much older than you are, but in your late 20s, you start going to weddings all the time. And I went to a wedding for a friend who was the health editor at Vogue, and someone at the table, at the reception afterward, kept asking me questions, and I thought she was kind of annoying. Well, she called me up a couple (laughs) days later and said, you know, I think she was matchmaking apparently, and she said, you might like this friend of mine, and I drove in from the Hamptons where I was, you know, again, the editor-in-chief of Hamptons, and met John, and a couple days later, he sent me a copy of Truman Capote's short stories, and that was about about 23 years ago.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. And it sounds yeah. like that you guys are like the perfect match in, you know, the business sense and the relationship sense. So that's so fun that someone set you up like that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, you know, I think it is, you know, working together comes with its its own challenges, but mm-hmm. I think because we have very complementary yet different yet complementary skill sets, yeah. it really works well. But we can go, for example, if we go to a, you know, if we go to a a department store in London or in America or something and we split up for an hour, we come back and we've identified the same five things. <laughs> so it's kind of a you know, it's it's the we're 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 in we're so in sync in terms yeah. of, of of our likes and wants. Mm-hmm.
0: So now Obviously, your brand was born from storytelling. It sounds like, and so you actually launched product before like d- your design work, like interior design stuff. No,
1: John had always been doing. He 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 had exited magazines, and I kept the day job because you know it. Your parents say keep the day job as long as you can, <laughs> um, and the benefits and all those things. So John had yeah. started a, a firm called John Lecky Inc. And his last name is pronounced Lecky, and it's hard to pronounce. And it's you know we kind of say why you know what is it what is a what does a designer's name mean? We wanted to create a brand that was away from a designer. So mm-hmm. it, it really had some kind of standalone qualities. So he had been designing people's apartments uh, and, and projects in New York. And, you know, we got a really big, nice big feature in Oprah and at, at home magazine and some of those things. But we reached a point where he said, you know, I don't think interiors is necessarily, we don't necessarily want to not do interiors. Mm-hmm. But interiors aren't our future. And we want to create a brand that isn't the John Lucky brand or the Jason, no John and Jason. What does that mean? Yeah. So one would really went in So said about 10 years ago, we created madcap cottage. And it was the idea of creating a brand that again, encapsulated all of those tenets that we really believe in of happiness and joy and prints and pattern and hand touch because John paints and sketches everything. And really not, you know, it's not, it wasn't the idea of slapping our name on things. It was about creating thoughtful, intuitive product um, that was also available retail and trade and hopefully made in America if we can, mm-hmm. and that spirit of joy. So yeah, so we still keep our hands in interiors, but it's 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 a small, a small part of, of of our business. But you know, I think our biggest compliment, Patricia, is when we're, we're when we're we meet somebody and they you know don't follow us on Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. that is, and they say, oh, are you associated with Madcap Cottage? I love, I love the brand and that makes me so happy because again, we're a baby brand and we're two Uh people, two part-time people. So it's, you know, we're not this big thing. Um, but we're, you know, we're tap dancing really fast. But that idea of when people say, oh, you are, you know, you are a brand. Yeah. You know, because so, I'm not sure, I come in every day and I'm not sure if the lights are on, you know. Like,
0: <laughs> it's anybody always buy, something, You know, might
1: <laughs> buy the toilet paper, right. Yeah,
0: right. So now talk to me a little bit about the process of designing products, because you guys had a background, obviously, in magazines, and then John a little bit in interior design and obviously graphic design. So he could design the prints, but, I mean, was it just asking people like about factories? Was it trial and error, or error? Was it googling? Like, how? I think that's it's one thing to have an idea, but then to turn it into something. Like, talk to me about the steps then um, of finding like how you were going to produce these things. Then,
1: well, I think that we collect people, and, and, mm-hmm. and I, don't, I don't mean that in a in a calculated sort of way, but I think we 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 curate people and we bring people into our lives, and happily, so many people in our lives are 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 more talented than we are and we can tap their skill sets. But I think it's, you know, it was was using some of those experiences and saying our first license was with Home Shopping Network and Mindy Grossman, who was the CEO of HSN at the time was an old friend and I had done some work for her as an assistant back in the day. And then when she ran Nike apparel, I ran her apartment in Gotham and we always stayed in touch. And so we had that, we had that personal connection. So we launched some bedding with them and that was a fun capsule experience. And then Robert Allen came after us to originally launch the fabrics. They were looking for, to fill a prints and pattern void um, because they were known for color, but they were saying that people were going to other showrooms to get prints. And so they brought us aboard and Robert Allen was an interesting journey. It did really quite well uh, for them. And then after about three years, they kind of went belly up, but we learned, we learned so much from that experience and also when we were doing the home shopping network bedding they didn't have a product development person who could really focus on working with us so john was working directly and that was made in china but he was working directly with a factory in china Oh wow so there was all these fedexes going back and forth so that was really good to learn about manufacturing and then when we when robert allen's situation you know played out we said huh i think we can do this ourselves so we're relaunching all of the fabrics now uh we're printing them here in america they are printed to order they are custom. You can custom color them. It's a two-week turnaround time. I mean, the price is higher than they were. They're playing more in the Tebow space mm-hmm. because we're not printing ten thousand yards. We're printing this to order um, and made in America, and all of those kind of good things. But no, I think it's 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 yes, it's been trial and error. It's about saying who who are who are who you know if we can if we can manufacture it ourselves. And again, it's me and John, so it's yeah. we're not you know forty people here. But if we can make it ourselves. Um, You know, I'm looking at my credit card debt from sampling fabric right now that's going into showrooms and it's, oh my God, Um, but, but you just have to hope. That that trough of sadness will end, um, as I call it. But no, I think it's about <laughs> thinking about thoughtful partnerships. And you know, for us, you know, we're starting to partner with some more lifestyle brands like Barrington Gifts or uh, Buford Bonnet Company. Oh,
0: when are these Barrington bags coming out? They've
1: just launched. There's two patterns in there, so that's just kind of a little dip our toe okay. into that space. But that will be. We're going to be doing some things with Garland bags and Bunny Bradley, who does amazing toiletry bags. So some. Small Smaller brands that have an interesting uh, footprint. Sorry about that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. John and I love partnering with smaller brands because there's so many new eyes that you can get to the space. And mm-hmm. we're starting to move more. We want to start. Well, we want to start moving more into fashion and lifestyle because oh. I think that you know how often do you buy new a new sofa, but you you might buy new shoes or a great tunic or some of those things a lot more often. So we are doing some, some little capsule things with Barrington gifts. Uh, We're going to be launching uh, some things, some great things with Buford bonnet company, which is children's clothing, uh, we're going to be doing some of the great uh, clutch bags with garland bags, but we're always kind of trying to think of, of interesting brands, not only domestically, but also internationally. Like we, yeah. we just got a distributor in Australia for our fabrics, because I think that that oftentimes you know other countries are even more open to prints and pattern in the home space mm-hmm. uh, than America is. So I think we always kind of are always thinking, how can we be big in Japan and whatever oh, yeah. that whatever that means. So I think it's a fun journey, but I think, you know, you make some mistakes, but I don't look, I don't think John and I look at anything as a mistake. I think we look at it as a learning experience Mm -hmm. and it may have been, it may not have worked then, but, or you were a little ahead of the curve, but you learn from that. And what can you take away from that? And, and I think, you know, we also, we also very much think visually and verbally. So how does the visual back up the, the words and how do the words back up the visuals? so again it's always that idea of telling a story that is both beautiful and 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 really reads in such a way that you feel like you've been whisked away in, into a world and so how do you kind of capture that through new we have we have a tile line coming out with country floors uh, We have a whole bunch of fun new things coming up but again it's not about slapping our name on things it's about huh, are these people the best and bright and the brightest in what they're doing and if we you know we're both and if it's a baby brand situation we 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 you know we can partner with people and say hey how can we create something together that is going to magnify both of our footprints
0: Definitely, I love that, and those are some of my favorite brands that you mentioned. So I'm so excited oh, good, for good, these, good, 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 good collabs. Um, but so speaking of that, obviously that's one of your tools in spreading the word and marketing um, is these collaborations, reaching new new people. So what has been some of your other tools and success in marketing? Would you say? Well, I think
1: you know, back in the day, you know, you, we were lucky enough that we got quite a bit of press and magazines, and that mm-hmm. that that we still get. PR and magazines, but that, you know, the phone doesn't necessarily ring from that. So I think it's a different. Um, obviously, you you know come from a great PR background, but I think it's it's just thinking about creative, interesting ways of engaging audiences. And so if the, if you're going to do a in-store event with a great partner, how can you turn that into something bigger? Or maybe it's doing online classes, or. You know what? What kind of video component, or how can I broadcast our video messaging? You know across multiple channels, Um, but also you know I'm also John are big believers in the handwritten note, and so sending you know sending thank you notes to people in a world where. It's so you know, we, and we get back to everybody. And I'm I'm so amazed by people who don't have the courtesy to respond, or or don't take the time to send thank you notes. Or I just did a story for a magazine, a cover story, and not one single person I featured thanked me. And I said, you know, I sat there and thought, wow, you know, is life really that busy that you can't? take the time to thank me for that story. And again, I'm not trying to sound presumptuous and who am I? But, you know, if someone had put me on the cover of a magazine, I would have, you know, sent them a lovely gift and a thank you note. Um, and I, so I think it's always feeling of creating, creating opportunities that feel hand-touched and special in a world that is so impersonal, that is so controlled by social media. Mm-hmm. How can you still make people feel like they are part of, of the fold. And if they don't want to play, they don't want to play, but you know, I'm never going to go out there and put out something really negative. Or I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed when people put negative comments out there and a little, do, do they have any idea how much work went into building yeah. a room or a brand and you go do this. Yeah. And just, I'm, I'm fascinated. You know, mother always said, don't talk about politics, sex and religion. She also said, you know, if you don't have anything, not anything nice to say, don't say anything at all.
0: Yes.
1: And I just feel like, you know, it's, we have to be careful when, just because we all have a soapbox doesn't mean we have to talk.
0: Agreed. A hundred percent. And especially the handwritten note thing. That's actually, I was just down in South Carolina recording um, a virtual e-course on pitching for influencers, how to work with brands. And one of the things I said, I talked about is relationships are so important. Like a thank you note goes such a long way. And I think so many people forget that these days. So I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, and I and I really do think that the new generation, you know, that as generationally, you know, the manners and learning all those kind of things, we should all put a premium on that because you know when I go when I when when I go to dinner with somebody and they don't know how to use a knife and fork I just sit there and kind of go gosh you know I want to give them a lesson I'm not making being a snob but I want to be like can I show you how to yeah you know, what can I show you?
0: Definitely. <laughs> anyway, that was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> and we've all, had our,
1: we've all had our pretty woman moments where our knife is, our fork is going fly, flying across the room.
0: <laughs> and that's okay.
1: But how do you just kind of move on and, and own it? Gracefully. I mean, Gracefully. Yeah, Gracefully. exactly. Right.
0: So what are you really proud of with your business? Would you say like, what's been a great success for you or just something that you've done and you're so proud of?
1: Well, I think, you know, John and I, you know, I, I love to go back, and our, our, our we keep and diaries, and we love our paper diaries, and all those kind of things. But going back a year, we try and go back a year every once in a while, and just kind of see where we were. Mm-hmm. Or we have you know calendars up on our walls that just kind of show metrics and where we were and where we are. And it's been so fun that sometimes we you know we beat ourselves up and think, gosh, we should be you know this isn't quite where we want to be, or this isn't quite where we want to be. But then I go back and look a year out, and I think, my God, we have really come so far yeah. in terms of, of building. A brand. And we have some, it's so much fun and we're so enjoying this journey. And, you know, we even had a day off the summer and I can't wait. We're going off to Folly Beach outside of Charleston at the oh, end of yeah. September. But, you know, but at the end of the day, it's our company and mm-hmm. I love it. And uh, it's, it's the things and the people, you know, talking to you or the, the, the you know, we're doing a client install of some window treatments at one thirty today. Just the, the day brings such fun uh, and, and adventure and not just some Pollyanna-ish. But we are—we love telling the story, and we love yeah. that we roll up our sleeves. And you know, I think on Instagram we all look kind of—everyone sh- looks shiny and pretty. And you know, all we do is go to fancy restaurants, and—and—and <laughs> and, and that's not true. You know, and our lives are all very complicated, and they are um, very nuanced. And um, but I think we love waking up every day and, and building a brand. I think building a brand has been, I mean, I think we made a lot more money back at a certain point in our life, but that's okay because we, there's nothing we can't do. Yeah, we It's yours. To, yeah, it's ours. And we will get to a certain point where I can say, you know, gosh, I can do things that I, in a different way that maybe I couldn't before, which wouldn't be, I wouldn't change much, but no, I think building uh, Patricia, I think building the brand has been, and we have so much further to go, and I think we've assembled a team in the last year of some two great time you know part-time consultants for us who are just spot on terrific mm-hmm. and so I think building that that little dream team of long term players who are now invested in building this, 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 this brand, I think has, has, has a lot of possibilities and has just scratched the surface. Is that, does that answer your Yeah, your no,
0: it's like that saying, you know, when you love what you do, it's not really work then, right? So it, it's part of that, I think that it feeds into building the brand and everything that goes along with it. And so speaking of that, then, on the flip side like what would you say has been the greatest challenge? Like was it back in the day like sourcing or is it more of I feel like a lot of people that I interview they say it's the business things like the numbers and the accounting. Like what would you say is your greatest challenge with business?
1: Well, I think we have a great we have you know we've 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 had a great book part-time bookkeeper Mm -hmm. and then someone who comes in and helps us with, not to get too granular, but someone who comes in and helps us with QuickBooks, which are not easy, even though the ads make it seem like, oh my gosh, you can be, you know, you can be, you don't ever actually have to address this. Um, (laughs) But I think that those underpinnings and we have a great filing system and we're very organized where we've gotten to a place where we're very organized. But I think, you know, getting a loan in this country, you know, as a small business, because so much of our business runs through, you know, so much of our expenses run through the business. You really can't get a loan in yeah. America. And I think that um, I we, we see small business as the incubator for larger business in America. And I'm fascinated that I can't, you know, for me, I you know, it's really easy to get a, you, know, you can have, we had all this junk mail of getting loans from all these who knows who, Yahoo's out there, but you can't go to a bank and get a loan anymore. Yeah, and, You know, as kids, you knew your banker, or, you know, you knew they'd said, Oh, sure. I and mean, now there are all these rules and regulations that are mm-hmm. really biased against you know our friends who you know don't complain about healthcare. I'm like, well you start your own small business yeah and you see how much your healthcare costs are. <laughs> and I think it's a lot of that stuff. And it's um you know I think it's um It's not, you know, I think obviously we had to learn the business side of things in terms of how do you do a contract or what's the best way to do a contract because John and I never did intern at an interior design business, Mm -hmm. but we really learned those things and we don't do, you know, I don't do 20 page contracts. We do a simple one sheet. Yeah. Uh, But I think it's the idea of of having money to tap, you know, again, like sampling all these fabrics that are going into showrooms, you know, 10,000 here, $10,000 there. And we couldn't, we had to open you know credit cards to get that and I'm not worried about paying that off because I know we'll get the return on it mm-hmm. but that scares me that I'm working in a country or in, a, in an environment where I have to use credit cards with 0% that I'm I'm constantly jumping between 0% interest
0: yeah
1: um, and that's my that's my safety net
0: mhm yeah so it's my, it's the the money that you have to invest, it's its a little bit harder to get a loan these days. And then it sounds it's, like it's, also it's, this a lot harder.
1: <laughs> it's a lot harder. I mean, it's impossible.
0: It's
1: not, it's not you know, 10 years ago was easy. Uh-huh. You know, now 12 years ago was easy. Um,
0: and so, the systems. I feel like that's always something with businesses is like getting the contracts done, getting, you know, the steps of onboarding a new client. It's those systems that make a huge difference but for some reason we're so busy always you know doing the actual work of the business that we don't get those things done and that's what's the pain i feel like
1: yeah i mean even things like i have a big post on my desk that january you know next january our copyrights expire and and dealing with you know renewing copyrights and dealing with the copyrights office in Washington, D.C. is not pleasant, not easy, Mm -hmm. and I'm just kind of dreading having to resubmit all of those forms and dealing with these quote-unquote inspectors who call you and say, oh, you missed, you didn't dot an I or cross a T. But no, I think that we have reached a point in having this team with us now that has, the underpinnings are really strong and we're really buttoned up uh, financially and some of those kind of things in terms of systems, to your point. And those are, those are um, you know, and living a, li- living a lifestyle. Like, you know, I think that sometimes you have to, you know, some interior designers maybe have to live a lifestyle that they can't afford because they have to yeah. keep up with the Joneses or they have to, you know, present this, this idea that, oh my gosh, I have a house in the Hamptons or whatever. And we mm-hmm. live a pretty, you know, pretty simple life ultimately. I mean, we travel a lot, but that's renting, you know, Airbnbs and and, and having cocktails at the fancy hotel. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about, you know, it's about um, living within your means and, and having systems that work for you.
0: Definitely. Now, who would be your dream customer? Like it could be a celebrity or a royal, or maybe even we're talking about an icon who's passed, but like, who do you think is like so madcap cottage and would be just so fun to work with? And you would love to have your products in their home or redesign their home.
1: You know, I, I, celebrities don't interest me in the least. I think they they have people who tell them how to dress, eat,
0: totally whatever, (laughs) and
1: they didn't go to college. Um, So celebrities are not our, our thing. I, you know, I, I we like, we like people of style. We like people mm-hmm. who lived interesting lives and it doesn't mean that they were rich. It was just people that um, had interesting experiences. There's a, you know, Otto Zanke is definitely an influence for us. He was an interior designer here in Greensboro who had offices in Palm beach and, and London and was on the cover of house beautiful. And it isn't, isn't well known in certain circles, but just seemed to live a very interesting rich life mm. We're reading about a, a gentleman named Jerome Zurb, who was a society shutterbug in the 50s and 60s and did a lot of things for town and country and he had this amazing mm-hmm. house in Deep River Connecticut called Windsong, which was this kind of French style pavilion it was just kind of an octagon with two little wings and he just seemed to surround himself with really interesting uh, people and throw crazy dinner parties I think you know John and I are very much of the anti-mame school of okay. life the movie Anti-Mame, where she, she had money, then she didn't have money, then she had money. And it wasn't about the money, but she surrounded herself with, her, herself with interesting people. Yeah. And as you watch that movie, it segues from Chinese chinoiserie to federal to Scottish to, I think it ends with Yule Ulu and kind of Scandi mid-century design. But she just is someone who seemed to live this very interesting, rich life. And I think, you know, the more, the older I get, the more and more I realize that that style and money don't go hand in hand and I think it's just people who lived, Fleur Coles, who edited Flair magazine and collected, you know, her best friend was the Queen Mother, or just these people who lived interesting. So I think John and I buy, we buy a lot of furniture at auction. Mm-hmm. And at auction, it's often pieces, pieces from people we thought, you know, my gosh, the Duchess of Devonshire. And these aren't expensive pieces because at auction you can often get things really well priced, but, you know, maybe a piece from the Duchess of Devonshire. Or Zsa, Zsa Gabor or Joan Rivers when she sold her Connecticut home, Impeccable Taste, or Fleur Coles, and we just love surrounding ourselves, or Jane Reitzman, we love surrounding ourselves with people, with pieces from people who lived a life well lived.
0: Mm-hmm. They have stories behind them, too. They have on stories. These pieces, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think for us, that as, we, as going through life, a dinner party is a success. It doesn't mean that we had to make beef bourguignon, but like I'm throwing a dinner party tomorrow night, and it's going to be fried chicken from Publix and an interesting kale salad, but the candles are going to be lit, the lights are going to be dim, and there's going to be really good music on the Sono sound system.
0: It's and, about the company and the time, right? Yeah,
1: and I don't want to be away from my guests where I'm slaving away in the kitchen mm-hmm. and not being able to spend time with them
0: definitely. Now, since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does preppy mean to you? So, how would you describe preppy? Well,
1: you know, again, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, so I still I still have my original preppy handbook sitting next oh, to my sitting next to my bed that I bought in 1981, and I didn't realize it was a spoof in 1981. I thought it was my guide to life, and so I <laughs> had my collar popped and I think I eventually bought the Sloan Ranger book, which was the English equivalent to the preppy preppy handbook. But, you know, I think that, you know, we were lucky enough as kids, we we would go to Maine, we'd go to Nantucket and I, you know, knew what Murray's Toggery shop was in Nantucket. So we kind of, you know, I grew up in the South, even though I had Northern parents. So I was wearing a Peter Pan collar until I was, you know, seven that match my mother's outfits or something. So, you know, you wonder how I turned out the way I did. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, for me, Preppy is this, I, I love the idea of, you know, Palm Beach and, and uh, classic American experiences. And that lawn, that kind of endless lawn in Maine that extends down to the water with, people you know playing croquet and their south side cocktails you know i think that you know i've spent a lot of time in palm beach i was friends with lily back and back before she passed um and used to go over to her house on jungle jungle whatever jungle avenue or whatever it was um and it was this just i think that it's 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 tradition and whatever tradition means for you and uh classic american experiences you know for me preppy doesn't necessarily mean pink and green but it's, it's, you know, like I always wear a collar you know, I try and always wear a collar Polish or cause that's just my, you know, my style. But that says to me that I feel like I, that's okay. That's kind of a classic American look. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of my favorite, um, preppy moments is, is the brand outside of Philadelphia called hold that thought for one second, Patricia, mm-hmm. John, John. I'll come back to you. There was a there was a a clothing company in the 70s that made these amazing crazy the, the vested gentress, John says. Thank you, John. Oh. The vested best, gentress, and they're made in the Main Line, and it was kind of a an equivalent to what Susie was doing over at Lily Pulitzer and that whole crew. Um, but vested gentress with these amazing dresses and patterns that were crazy of horses, and and they had all these shops in the Main Line of Philadelphia. But that's kind of one of my favorites. So I kind of like this idea of it's classic American, but there's something a little off about it. Mm-hmm. It's, something's exploded. Like I love Lily Pulitzer, but I wouldn't want willie pulitzer fabrics in my home yeah but when i go to palm beach or florida those colors are amazing and that's what she was you know she created those fabrics to hide the stains when she had her you know had her orange juice shop and it was crazy patterns um so i think preppy for me is is this idea of how do you take american tradition uh, turn it on its head a little bit, reinterpret it. But, you know, I live and die for a critter, critter pant, but I'm not necessarily going <laughs> to pair a critter pant with a Belgian loafer. I'm going to pair it with a pair of, of, you know, checkerboard vans. Yep. It's kind, of
0: like, yeah, kind of like, it. yeah,
1: kind of like what Rowing blazers is doing, maybe yeah. a little bit, but not, not as, it's a little Wes Anderson. Yeah. It's a little, some of those, those references, but throw it all in a martini shaker um, and then add a, you know, I, then we, we layer in a European feel like, like, then I want a piece of, you know, Sicilian, porcelain ceramic next to it of lemon so i Mm -hmm. think it's nothing is straight on and i don't it's um i love the idea of kind of taking these disparate elements shaking them up but there's a preppy lens uh through that that it's all told through
0: Definitely. I, I think that's so fun. It's ha- it's a lifestyle and everyone can interpret it different. And that's what's fun about it is you put your own twist on it.
1: Yeah. And I think that idea of, you know, living in the South, we really celebrate tradition. And I don't remember, you know, living in the North for 25 years that there was kind of an, you know, you always went out to dinner. You didn't go to someone's house. Mm-hmm. And I love that the South kind of embraces color. They embrace pattern. Um but, you know, you go to any small jewelry store in any small town and they have a whole Heron section, Heron China section. Yeah. And I love that idea that, gee, people are still buying China down here.
0: Mm-hmm. So now this might be a hard question because I feel like you obviously love everything that you've designed, but what's your favorite product or fabric? Like what's your favorite piece that you've done that's on your website right now that people could buy?
1: Um, I'm sitting in my office and I love what we called road, to, um, road to Canton fabric that's now called old, old, Peking. And it's just this amazing scenic, that's a little chinoisery, but it's also, again, to that point where we don't take anything straight on. It's a little, you know, the, the boatman, you could think it's a Chinese boatman, but it's actually a Venetian gondolier. There's a temple, but it's actually a garden folly. There's a food dog, but it's, it's referencing our, you know, three, pound rescue pugs and i just i love it it's in this amazing strawberry color john painted and sketched the you know the original kind of composition for it and it's just this amazing fabric that it's my, my office is white but i have these the strawberry window treatments in that fabric and it it, it puts a smile on my face and it whisks me off to another land and mm-hmm. I, it's kind of like narnia it's this kind of everything we do has a story right but this these these window treatments make me feel happy i think there's a lot of pretty out there but it, things that don't necessarily tell a story or yeah. don't don't take you somewhere and and the fact that i have these you know kind of high window treatments in my office that are really simple very simple pleats but this amazing fabric um that's made in america but yet I look at it and it, and it takes me to another land. And that land isn't necessarily China or Italy or Morocco, but it's kind of this amalgam of all those kind of things. And I think, you know, John and I live in Narnia in our head. And I yeah. think we try and create product that feels, uh, feels special. And it, 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 it evokes emotion and it takes, and it's not too cutesy. I mean, there's some brands out there that I think are just kind of like, don't stick a tassel on it, um, but it, it, it whisks whisk you off somewhere.
0: Definitely. And you don't have to convince me on that one. In my media room, I have the pillows and a window treatment in that same oh, in color. Okay. White. So yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that was my choice. I, I picked it. that it, one out it, of the litter.
1: Does it, does it put a smile on your face?
0: Exactly. That's what I mean. Like I picked that out of the litter, that guy. So I love it. I love it.
1: I love it. I love it. (laughs)
0: so now we talked a little bit about this but what's next for you guys like any other sneak peeks you can share what are you working on right now we talked a little bit about some collaborations but anything else you want to share well, I think the fabric,
1: I mean, this is kind of boring, but I mean, the fabric relaunch for us is huge because we're, we're going into a couple of showrooms around the country, but then we have six salespeople around the country who have, who are terrific and have different regions and they are going to be, you know, interfacing with designers and, and getting us into a couple of showrooms. We don't want to be in a lot of showrooms mm-hmm. because we want to feel, you know, we want to still feel special and obviously have those kind of t- protected territories. But that's big for us because I'd much rather be, you know, instead of showing at a, at a trade show, I'd much rather have terrific salespeople out in the country who are engaging audiences than standing in some booth and hoping that people will come to us, mm-hmm. right? So that's huge for us. And we're relaunching our wallpapers. Um, we All of our fabrics are available as wallpapers. Um, and you can custom color those as well. Those are printed in America. We're also launching a peel-and-stick program with York. And we're so excited about that. So, again, that's made in America up in New York, Pennsylvania, America's oldest wall covering company but it's a peel and stick program they're crazy really fun patterns there's this huge strawberry huge strawberries and they're kind of riffs on some of our current patterns but they have that peel and stick so again that you know this but they're terrific for rentals they're super easy to put up and that that category has exploded so we're always kind of trying to engage new audiences or use technology where technology uh, makes sense, mm-hmm. um, but I think the fabric thing for us is is really big. I think fabric is the linchpin of the brand, and to see where that goes again, getting some new distri- some inter- international distribution uh, is huge for us. We have Tile coming out with um, a great company here that has terrific distribution uh, around the, around the world, and and I think it's just about thinking about some 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 strategic fun uh, partnerships that really make. Sense
0: definitely that's so exciting, and I actually now that I think about it too, I have one of your wallpapers in my guest bath. <laughs> I love it, oh, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound pretentious, but I think that uh, when <laughs> we're
1: finding with people that if once you discover Madcap, and I think that's something else that we're really <laughs> trying to do is we're really focused on SEO and, and magnifying our experience. But I think that once you discover Madcap Cottage, you for many people they get they kind of realize, Oh, I want more.
0: Yeah. And so, so,
1: so I think the challenge for us is just to introduce people to ma- to Madcap Cottage, and once they're once they're bored, it's sticky. But for us, it's just getting that name. Oh, I never heard of you, or mm-hmm. I never, I hadn't, you know. And and how do you partner when, in creative, smart ways that people say, I want to be part of that Madcap Cottage Tea Party, and it's you know, it can be as urban, it can be as as urban loft as you want it to be. It doesn't have to be you know just cottage cottage. It's 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 using. Our brand and interpreting and what I love about Instagram is seeing how people use our products in ways that I I would say, my gosh, I I don't think I would have used it that way or I don't think I would have paired those patterns together, but it's amazing. And I love that you are thinking differently and you're thinking bigger and bolder and you're not thinking beige and boring.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. I love that. Well, so this has been so fun learning more about you and your brand. So my final question is, where can people find you? Like tell everyone your website URL, social media handle, things like that so that they can follow along and shop your products.
1: Well, this has been a delight and Patricia, thank you. So, you know, Madcap Cottage, all of our product is available on the site. It's available retail. And if you're a trade, you can, you can, you know, register for our trade program as well. And all of our product is on there from lighting and rugs and wallpaper and fabric be sure to follow our adventures on instagram we have a we have a nice group of people that are very engaged and uh, we have a lot of fun at madcap cottage and we're on facebook we have a facebook group that we're kind of amping that up a little bit more because i think we've overlooked that a little bit and you can always follow us on Pinterest. Um, but we love hearing from our friends. And you can always reach out to us at hello at madcapcottage.com. And we'd love to see how you've used our product. Or if you have kind of simple questions about your home, we love working with our friends and, and offering advice. So thank you for having us.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jason.
1: And enjoy your time in South Carolina.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.